Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 25 to 26 and in the previous episode we fought, we reread chapters 23 to 24 and we kept seeing the constant uh, worry in Annabeth's mind as she continued to think what if Bob, uh, the monster that is currently helping them out, regains his memories. And I definitely do think that it is a potential concerned to have because it could happen at any point and there's no predictability when it comes to stuff like this so yeah it's a valid concern and we're gonna see how the rest of annabeth's annabeth and percy's journey is like with bob helping them uh luckily um before we start i would like to say that i do recognize that a lot of you are making the suggestion that i do three chapters because these chapters are relatively short and i do agree with you on that um i will try my best to add in an extra chapter whenever i can um uh just because uh of the schedule i have uh the busy schedule i am only able to do two two chapters at times and uh if i can i will definitely try my best to give you guys three chapters because you guys are just so great and i would love to give you that um it's the least I could do. So, uh, whenever I can, I will try my best to do three chapters, but, uh, I'm sorry guys, but it's only going to be two chapters for this episode. Um, so yeah, but I still hope you guys enjoyed just as much. We'll be going straight into the shoutouts and Q&A session after the second chapter. So without further ado, let's get on to the show. Chapter 25, Annabeth. After a while, Annabeth's feet felt like Titan mush. She marched along, following Bob, listening to the monotonous slosh of liquid in his cleaning bottle. Stay alert, she told herself. But it was hard. Her thoughts were as numb as her legs. From time to time, Percy took her hand or made an encouraging comment, but she could tell the dark landscape was getting to him as well. His eyes had a dull sheen, like his spirit was slowly being extinguished. He fell into Tartarus to be with you, said a voice in her head. If he dies, it will be your fault. Stop it, she said aloud. Percy frowned. What? No, not you. She tried for a reassuring smile, but she couldn't quite muster one. I'm talking to myself, this place, it's messing with my head, giving me dark thoughts. The worry lines deepened around Percy's sea green eyes. Hey, Bob, where exactly are we heading? The lady, Bob said. Death mist. Ameth fought down her irritation. But what does that mean? Who is this lady? Naming her? Bob glanced back. Not a good idea. Ameth sighed. The Titan was right. Names had power. And speaking them here in Tartarus was probably very dangerous. Could you tell us at least how far? She asked. I do not know, Bob admitted. I can only feel it. We wait for the darkness to get darker. Then we go sideways. Sideways, Annabeth muttered. Naturally. She was tempted to ask for a rest, but she didn't want to stop. Not here in this cold, dark place. The black fog seeped into her body, turning her bones into moist styrofoam. She wondered if her message would get to Rachel there. If Rachel could somehow carry her proposal to Reyna without getting killed in the process. A ridiculous hope... <laughs> said the voice in her head. You have only put Rachel in danger. Even if she finds the Romans, why should Reyna trust you after all that has happened? Ammon was tempted to shout back at the voice, but she resisted. 
Even if she were going crazy, she didn't want to look like she was going crazy. She desperately needed something to lift her spirits. A drink of actual water, a moment of sunlight, a warm bed, a kind word from her mother. Suddenly, Bob stopped. He raised his hand. Wait. What? Percy whispered. Shh. Bob warned. Ahead. Something moves. Emmett strained her ears. From somewhere in the fog came a deep, thrumming noise. Like the idling engine of a large construction vehicle, she could feel the vibrations through her shoes. We will surround it, Bob whispered. Each of you, take a flank. For the millionth time, Annabeth wished she had her dagger. She picked up a chunk of jagged black obsidian and crept to the left. Percy went right, his sword ready. Bob took the middle, his spearhead glowing in the fog. The humming got louder, shaking the gravel at Annabeth's feet. Noise seemed to be coming from immediately in front of them. Ready? Bob murmured. Annabeth crouched, preparing to spring. On three, one, Percy whispered. Two, a figure appeared in the fog. Bob raised his spear. Wait! Emma shrieked. Bob froze just in time, the point of his spear hovering an inch above the head of a tiny calico kitten. What? Said the kitten, clearly unimpressed by their attack plan. It butted its head against Bob's foot and purred loudly. It seemed impossible, but the deep rumbling sound was coming from the kitchen. As it purred, the ground vibrated and pebbles danced. The kitten fixed its yellow lamp-like eyes on one particular rock right between Annabeth's feet and pounced. The cat could have been a demon or a horrible underworld monster in disguise, but Annabeth couldn't help it. She picked it up and cuddled it. The little thing was bony under its fur, but otherwise it seemed perfectly normal. How did... She couldn't even form the question. What is a kitten doing... The cat grew impatient and squirmed out of her arms, landed with a thump, patted over to Bob, and started purring again as it rubbed against the boots. Percy laughed. <laughs> Somebody likes you, Bob. You must be a good monster, Bob looked up nervously. Isn't it? Emmett felt a lump in her throat. Seeing the huge titan and his tiny kitten together, she suddenly felt insignificant compared to the vastness of Tar- Tartarus. This place had no respect for anything good or bad, small or large, wise or unwise, Tartar swallowed titans and demigods and kittens indiscriminately. Bob knelt down and scooped up the cat. fit perfectly in Bob's palm, but it decided to explore. It climbed the titan's arm, made it itself at home on his shoulder, and closed its eyes, purring like an earth mover. Suddenly, its fur shimmered. In a flash, the kitten became a ghostly skeleton, as if it had stepped behind the x-ray machine. And it was a regular kitten again. Abbott blinked. Did you see? Yeah. Percy knit his eyebrows. Oh, man. I know that kitten. It's one of the ones from the Smithsonian. Abbott tried to make sense of that. She'd never been to the Smithsonian with Percy. Then she recalled several years ago when the Titan Atlas had captured her. Percy and Talia had led a quest to rescue her. Along the way, they'd watched Atlas raise some skeleton warriors from Dragon Teeth in the Smithsonian Museum. According to Percy, the Titan's first attempt went wrong. He planned saber-toothed tiger teeth by mistake and raised a batch of skeleton kittens from the soil. That's one of them? Ambit asked. How did it get here? Percy spread his hands helplessly. Atlas told his servants to take the kittens away. Maybe they destroyed the kittens and they were reborn in Tartarus? I don't know. It's cute, Bob said as the kitten sniffed his ear. But is it safe? 
Ambeth asked. The time scratched the kitten's chin. Ambeth didn't know if it was a good idea carrying around a cat grown from a prehistoric tooth, but obviously it didn't matter now. The Titan and the cat had bonded. I will call him Small Bob, said Bob. He is a good monster. End of discussion. The Titan hefted his spear and they continued marching into the gloom. Ambeth walked in a daze, trying not to think about pizza. To keep herself distracted, she watched Small Bob the kitten pacing around across Bob's shoulders and purring, occasionally turning into a glowing kitten skeleton and then back to a calico fuzzball. Here, Bob announced. She stopped so suddenly, Annabeth almost ran into him. Bob stared off to their left as if deep in thought. Is this the place? Annabeth asked. Where we go sideways? Yes, Bob agreed. Darker, then sideways. Annabeth couldn't tell if it was actually darker. But the air did seem colder and thicker, as if they'd stepped into a different microclimate. Again, she was reminded of San Francisco, where you could walk from one neighborhood to the next, and the temperature might drop 10 degrees. She wondered if the Titans had built their palace on Ma Mount Tamalpais, because the Bay Area reminded them of Tartarus. What a depressing thought. Only Titans would see such a beautiful place as a potential outpost of the Abyss. A hellish home away from home. Bob struck off to the left. They followed. The air definitely got colder. Ambeth pressed against Percy for warmth. He put his arm around her. It felt good being close to him, but she couldn't relax. They'd entered some sort of forest. Towering black trees soared into the gloom, perfectly round and bare of batches, like monstrous hair follicles. The ground was smooth and pale. Without a luck, Ambeth thought, we're marching through the armpit of Tartarus. Suddenly, her senses were on high alert, as if someone, somebody had snapped a rubber band against the base of her neck. She rested her hand on the trunk of the nearest tree. What is it? Percy raised his sword. Bob turned and looked back, confused. We're stopping? Emma held up her hand for silence. She wasn't sure what had set her off. Nothing looked different. Then she realized the tree trunk was quivering. She wondered momentarily if it was a kitten's purr, but small Bob had fallen asleep on large Bob's shoulder. A few yards away, another tree shuddered. Something's moving above us, Annabeth whispered. Gather up. Bob and Percy closed ranks with her, standing back to back. Annabeth strained her eyes, trying to see them above the dark, but nothing moved. She had almost decided she was being paranoid when the first monster dropped to the ground only five feet away. Annabeth's first thought? The Furies. The creature looked almost like one. A wrinkled hag with bat-like wings, brass talons, and glowing red eyes. She wore a tattered dress of black silk, and her face was twisted and ravenous, like a demonic grandmother in the mood to kill. Bob grunted as another one dropped in front of him, then another one in front of Percy. Soon, there were half a dozen surrounding them, more hissed in the trees above. They can be furies, then. There were only three of those, and these winged hags didn't carry whips. That didn't comfort Annabeth. The monster's talons looked plenty dangerous. What are you? She demanded. The Arai hissed a voice. The curses. Emma tried to locate the speaker, but none of the demons had moved their mouths. Their eyes looked dead. Their expressions were frozen like a puppet's. The voice simply floated overhead like a movie narrator's, as if a single mind controlled all the creatures. What? What do you want? Ambit asked, trying to maintain a tone of confidence. The voice cackled maliciously. <laughs> to curse you, of course. To destroy you a thousand times in the name of Mother Night. Only a thousand times? Percy murmured. Oh, good. I thought we were in trouble. The circle of demon ladies closed in. And that's the end of chapter 25. I think that this chapter was 
adorable. Well, until the Furies came. But I think that this chapter was... It really played on the adorable part with the kitten coming in. I think that that was really, really cute to see how Percy, Annabeth, and Bob, after walking for days upon days in this, you know, abyss of torture, they finally meet something that's cute and maybe could lift this, lift their spirits up. So yeah, that was a good way to end off the first part of this episode. Right after the break, we'll continue this with chapter 26. So see you after the break. And now we're going to finish off the episode with chapter 25. Sorry, I just realized that this was chapter 24 to 25, not 25 to 26. So sorry, that's on my that's that's my fault. Um, but yeah, we're going to finish it off with chapter 25, Hazel. Everything smelled like poison. Two days after leaving Venice, Hazel still couldn't get the noxious scent of eau de cow monster out of her nose. The seasickness didn't help. Darga the second sailed down the Adriatic, a beautiful, glittering expanse of blue, but Hazel couldn't appreciate it. Thanks to the constant rolling of the ship, above deck she tried to keep her eyes fixed on the horizon. The white cliffs that almost seemed just a mile or so to the east. What country was that? Croatia? She wasn't sure. She just wished she were on solid ground again. The thing that nauseated her the most was the weasel. Last night, Hegarty's pet, Gale, had appeared in her cabin. Hazel woke from a nightmare, thinking, what is that smell? She found a furry rodent propped on her chest, staring at her with its beady black eyes. Nothing like waking up screaming, kicking off your covers, and dancing around your cabin while a weasel scamples, scampers between your feet, screeching and farting. Her friends rushed to her room to see if she was okay. The weasel was difficult to explain. Hazel could tell that Leah was trying hard not to make a joke. In the morning, once the excitement died down, Hazel decided to visit Coach Head since he could talk to animals. She found his cabin door ajar and heard the coach inside talking as if he were on the phone with someone, except they had no phones on board. Maybe he was sending a magical iris message? Hazel had heard that the Greeks used those a lot. Sure, hon, Hedge was saying. Yeah, I know, baby. No, it's great news, but... His voice broke with emotion. Hazel suddenly felt horrible for eavesdropping. She would have backed away, but Gale squeaked at her heels. Hazel knocked on the coach's door. Hedge poked his head out, scowling as usual, but his eyes were red. What? He growled. Um, sorry, Hazel said. Are you okay? The coach snorted and opened his door wide. What kind of question is that? There was no one else in the room. I... Hazel tried to remember why she was there. I wondered if you could talk to my weasel. The coach's eyes narrowed. He lowered his voice. Are we speaking in code? Is there an intruder aboard? Well, sort of. Gail peeked out from behind Hazel's seat and started chattering. The coach looked offended. He chattered back at the weasel. They had what sounded like a very intense argument. What did she say? Hazel asked. A lot of rude things, grumbled a satyr. The gist of it? She's here to see how it goes. How what goes? Coach Ed stomped his hoof. How am I supposed to know? She's a polecat. They never give a straight answer. I feel excuse me. I've got uh, stuff. He closed the door in her face. 
After breakfast, Hazel stood at the port rail, trying to settle her stomach. Next to her, Gale ran up and down the railing, passing gas, but the strong wind of the Adriatic helped whisk it away. Hazel wondered what was wrong with Coach Hedge. He must have been using an Iris message to talk to with someone, but if he'd gotten great news, why had he looked so devastated? She'd never seen him so shaken up. Unfortunately, she doubted the coach would ask for help if he needed it. He wasn't exactly the warm and open type. She stared at the white cliffs in the distance and thought about why Hecate had sent Gale the polecat. She's here to see how it goes. Something was about to happen. Hazel would be tested. She didn't understand how she was supposed to learn magic with no training. Hecate expected her to defeat some super powerful sorceress, the lady in the gold dress, but whom Leo had described from his dream, but how? Hazel had spent all her free time trying to figure that out. She'd stared at her spatha, trying to make it look like a walking stick. She tried to summon a cloud to hide the full moon. She concentrated until her eyes crossed and her ears popped, but nothing happened. She couldn't manipulate the mist. The last few nights, her dreams had gotten worse. She found herself back in the fields of Asphodel, drifting aimlessly among the ghosts. Then she was in Gaia's cave in Alaska where Hazel and her mother had died as the ceiling collapsed and the voice of the earth goddess wailed in anger. She was on the stairs of her mother's apartment building in New Orleans, face to face with her father Pluto. His cold fingers gripped her arm, the fabric of his black wool suit writhed with imprisoned souls. He fixed her with his dark, angry eyes and said, The dead see what they believe they will see. So do the living. That is the secret. He never said that to her in real life. She had no idea what it meant. The worst nightmare seemed like glimpses of the future. Hazel was stumbling through a dark tunnel while a woman's laugh echoed around her. Control this if you can, can, child of Pluto, the woman taunted. And always had Hazel dreamed about the images she'd seen at Hagedy's crossroads. Leo falling through the sky, Percy and Annabeth lying unconscious, possibly dead, in front of black metal doors, and a shrouded figure looming above them, the giant Clyde Cleitus, Clitius, wrapped in darkness. Next on the rail, Gale the weasel chittered impatiently. Hazel was tempted to push the stupid rodent into the sea. I can't even control my own dreams, she wanted to scream. How am I supposed to control the mist? She was so miserable she didn't even notice Frank until he was standing at her side. Feeling any better? he asked. He took her hand, his fingers completely covering her. She couldn't believe how much taller he'd gotten. He changed into so many animals, she wasn't sure why one more transformation should amaze her. But suddenly he had grown into his weight. No one could call him pudgy or cuddly anymore. He looked like a football player. Solid and strong with a new center of gravity. His shoulders had broadened, he walked with more confidence. What Frank had done on that bridge in Venice, Hazel was still in awe. None of them had actually seen the battle, but no one doubted it. Frank's whole bearing had changed. Even Leo had stopped making jokes at his expense. I, I'm all right, Hazel managed. You? Smiled in the corners of his eyes, crinkling. I'm a toddler? Otherwise, yeah, I, I'm good. I haven't really, you know, changed inside. His voice held a little of the old doubt and awkwardness. The voice of her Frank, who was always worried about being a klutz and messing up. Hazel felt relieved. She liked that part of him. At first, his new appearance had shocked her. She'd been worried that his personality had changed as well. Now she was starting to relax about that. Despite all his strengths, Frank was the same sweet guy. He was still vulnerable. He still trusted her with her biggest weaknesses. 
The piece of magical firewood she carried in her coat pocket next to her heart. I know, and I'm glad. She squeezed his hand. It's, it's actually not you I'm worried about. Frank grunted. How's Nico doing? She'd been thinking about herself, not Nico. But she followed Frank's gaze to the top of the foremast, where Nico was perched on the yard arm. Nico claimed that he liked to keep watch because he had good eyes. Hazel knew that wasn't the reason. The top of the mast was one of the few places on board where Nico could be alone. The others had offered him the use of Percy's cabin since Percy was, well, absent. Nico adamantly refused. He spent most of his time up in the rigging where he didn't have time to talk with the rest of the crew. Since he'd been turned into a corn plant in Venice, he'd only gotten more reclusive and morose. I don't know, Hazel admitted. He's been through a lot, getting captured in Tartarus, being held prisoner in that bronze jar, watching Percy and Annabeth fall, and promising to lead us to Epirus. Frank nodded. I get the feeling Nico doesn't play well with others. Frank stood up straight. He was wearing a beige t-shirt with a picture of a horse and the words Palio de de Siena. He'd only bought it a couple of days ago, but now it was too small. When he stretched, his midriff was exposed. Hazel realized she was staring. She quickly looked away, her face flushed. Nico is my only relative, she said. He's not easy to like, but thanks for being kind to him. Frank smiled. Hey, you put up with my grandmother in Vancouver. Talk about not easy to like. I loved your grandmother. Gail the polecat scampered up to them, farted, and ran away. Ugh. Frank waved away the smell. Why is that thing here anyway? Hazel was almost glad she wasn't on dry land. As agitated as she felt, gold and gems probably be popping up all around her feet. Hecate said Gail to observe. Observe what? Hazel tried to take comfort in Frank's presence, his new aura of solidity and strength. I don't know, she said at last. Some kind of test. Suddenly, the boat lurched forward. And that's the end of chapter 25. I think that this whole segment of introducing... Um, well, first of all, it was a great episode, great chapters. And I think that this adds a little bit to the comedic appeal of adding in these furry animals with the weasel and then the kitten. I think it's going to also take away a little bit of their stress because they're, you know, they're, they have to direct some of their attention onto these adorable animals. And I think that maybe it was done purposely, maybe it wasn't, but I think that it was definitely an awesome way to... Um, Pull out some stress for everybody, especially in the situations that they are right now in. But yeah, um, let's move on to the shoutouts and Q&A session. So moving on to the shoutouts, Eleanor, Dance, Miles, and Joy. Thank you guys. And um, if I missed your name, do please let me know and I will try my best to get you in the next episode. Moving on to the questions. Uh, the first one is, am I divergent? Because I stated before that I am multiple Harry Potter houses. Um, well, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I would, maybe I'm not. It all depends, you know, as people we grow and that also is with personalities. Personalities, um, overall, uh, you know, we, as life goes on, we also grow as individuals. So who knows, maybe... I'm still a Hufflepuff, or maybe I have a little bit of Gryffindor or Ravenclaw or Slytherin in me. It all depends, but I think um, I could be a Divergent. The possibility is there, uh, but 
I'm not sure. I'd have to probably take the test some more times just to maybe confirm uh, uh, that question. Um, the next question is thoughts. What are my thoughts on Nico? I think that his reclusiveness is definitely attributed to all the trauma he's been through. I mean, poor guy's been through so much with Bianca and then this whole kidnapping thing. I think that, you know, when he goes up and then he has his own space, I think, you know, it it's not wrong to be concerned, but I just, it makes sense and it's understandable why he's being the way he is. And, you know, the, the, you, you do feel a little bad for him, especially with what he's been through. And... Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, will I do the Magnus Chase and Trials of Apollo series? Um, most probably, yes. Uh, I'm trying to finish out this uh, the entire Percy Jackson Heroes of Olympus series. Um, just finishing all the maybe all the Rick Riordan books, and yeah. Uh, so hopefully, I'm able to do also maybe the spinoffs as well. Um, the next question is, would I rather be a god, demigod, nymph, dryad, or mortal with true sight? Um, it would be a, probably between god and nymph or dryad, because demigods and mortals just, they, they go through a lot. I think with mortal having a true sight and being able to see all those monsters, I don't, I could never understand, I could never see, you know, what would, how your life would get any simpler than that, like, it's absolutely going to be so complicated, so frustrating. You're going to be seeing monsters everywhere you go. It's nerve-wracking. Um, and I don't even need to say anything about demigods. I mean, that's already given. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, if I The next question is, if I was a demigod, what would be my worst demigod nightmare? <sighs> Probably having to do something with... Um, Maybe with a lot of monsters. And I feel like a really bad nightmare with me would be them knowing I was there. And maybe just coming at me. Whenever it comes to like 3D perspectives, especially in dreams, it's it's a huge no-no for me. I can't do that. Like if I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dreaming and then I randomly see a monster just running at me. I can't do it. I just, I just can't. Um, that gets me pretty, pretty shaken up. Um, the next question is, do you play Dungeons and Dragons? Unfortunately, no, but it seems so much fun. I would definitely want to play sometime soon. Um, the next question is, what are my hopes for the Percy Jackson series? Um, I think that, uh, and this is uh, referring to the TV show. I think that, um, it's definitely going to be good i feel like with uh i i do definitely have faith that it 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 probably will hopefully it will do better than the reputation that the percy jackson movies have created um but i do think that you know i'm hoping it's it creates creates a similar legacy to potentially how the harry potter movies did i mean they just did so well with the casting and everything and it was just such it was all it was just as famous as the books themselves so i think that hopefully that they do the same thing with the series here they kind of make up for um the movies because it kind of happened the opposite for the percy jackson movie so i hope that this tv show is able to capture some of the beautiful moments that are highlighted in these books as well as maybe putting like tiny tiny little twists not entirely changing the plot but like 
um, adding, you know, their little own spins to it to make it still unique in a certain way. Um, if I could say, the next question is, if I could stay at a cabin that is not my godly parent, which one would I stay at? Uh, number one, easily hypnos. I would love to sleep for a good few hours and then just go eat in the mess hall, come back and sleep all over again. It's, it's It sounds like an amazing cycle. Um, the next question is, would I have a crush on Hazel? 100%. <laughs> uh, the next question is, what would have happened if Frank and Leo had switched camps instead? I think it definitely would have been a drastic dynamic shift in terms of power as well because we have seen Percy and Jason in their own respective camps as well they've played this kind of leader role in a way and I feel like with Leo and Frank they're kind of like in the background but they're also the geniuses um behind it all so I think that when you put them in the spotlight it kind of it kind of overwhelms them so I feel like if they were to be switched it definitely would have taken them a longer time to f- just figure out what was happening in the first place, you know? Just um, trying to, like, process everything, that would have probably just... And I'm not saying that, you know, they're no they're no less than Percy and Jason. I think that just being able to be thrown in that kind of circumstance would be hard on anybody. And I think that with Frank and Leah, we definitely would have seen a different approach in, in general because... Um, they're not usually the type to be uh, the leaders. They're usually the ones who are the geniuses or the ones who, you know, are always thinking of the plans and then, you know, letting everyone else get that credit. So they're extremely humble in a way. And I think that it would definitely would have taken a different approach in terms of how they would have regained their memory and how they would have just been able to retrieve the, you know, how Frank would have retrieved the Legion. Um, not the Legion, my bad. Um be able to save Camp Half-Blood or be involved in it in some way and then how Leo would be able to get the eagle for the Legion. So yeah, I think that this was definitely, um, it would have been a definitely a very interesting plot. Um, the next question is, who would I want to be out of all the characters in PJO? And it would be 100% hands down, Annabeth. Um, but I would love to have Leo's comedic humor is just it's top notch i just i think it's great i think just leo being there is just all the more to make the presence the aura of that entire room just great but yeah that concludes our q a session and our shout out session in uh and as well as our episode i hope you guys enjoyed it just as my as much as i did reading it next week we will continue this with chapters 25 to 26 um one more thing before we leave, if you would like to uh, support me, totally optional, you can go to the Patreon, the link is in the bio or dis- or description of this podcast, and you can go check it out there. Um, I really appreciate all that you guys do, and once again, until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.